John 1, 6 through 8, and 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. This is the testimony given by John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and didn't deny it, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Then they said to him, Well, who are you? Let us have an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. I am not worthy to untie the thong of his sandal. This took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. Last week we talked a bit about John. John the baptizer, John the agitator, John the thorn in the side of his society, John the prophet who called people out to change. This week we also are faced with John, but this is a different John. This is John the witness. The people have come out and they want to know who this guy is. Hey, are you the Messiah? Are you Elijah? We are told right from the start of this passage that John was not the light, but came to bear witness to the light. John says to us his job is to cry out in the darkness that the light is on its way, to make straight a path, to make it easy as possible for people to see the light that is coming. We too are called to bear witness to the light. Now, I think sometimes we're a little uncomfortable with this role, and that is particularly understandable, especially here in Utah. You know, at Wedgwood, I had a, a member who wanted me to go door to door, knocking on people's doors and, and telling them who I was and inviting them to church. And I, I had to let them know that, you know, growing up in Utah, I've become real sensitive, particularly sensitive to that kind of approach. And uh, I don't think that would have gone over very well, particularly in Seattle. So uh, I never did this. I think we all get a little anxious when we start to talk about reaching out, when we start to talk about bearing witness and sharing testimony. And we get really nervous, even particularly when I bring up that Greek word evangelon, which translates to English as evangelism, which means to share the good news. I understand this. You know, my mother always said, in polite company, you never talk religion or politics. So, uh, you know, I'm sure most of your mothers were like that as well. And uh, it's, po- it's not polite to talk about such things because it's easy to offend people that way. And we get worried about offending people's sensibilities to religious issues. 
The other thing is that the church doesn't always have a, a very great reputation, and so maybe we're a little shy, you know. Uh, scandals and history have shown that the church so often does not live up to its own rhetoric. So maybe we're a little nervous about sharing the fact that we're followers of Christ because of the bad reputation all the other followers of Christ have given us. I've often noticed the bumper sticker that says, is, is a prayer to God, God, save me from your followers. <laughs> and so often, you know, the other problem we have is that so often we come off as self-righteous. We call non-Christians things like the lost or the unsaved. And we get angry when they don't buy into our beliefs without doubts and questions. I got to tell you, I don't think I would like to be referred to as lost. Uh, I'm sure that those out in our community don't feel lost and aren't particularly excited to have us pointed out to them. The other thing is that I think people sometimes feel a sense of suspicion about the church, like we're trying to sell them something, you know, as if we're we're pulling them in and and trying to uh, bait and switch. And quite frankly, they have that suspicion because this happens quite often. <laughs> we we do run into this where we have a particular agenda and the things we do have a hidden meaning behind them when really what we want is something else. Quite frankly, it is because of well-meaning Christians and some not so well-meaning Christians that they have done this part, this sharing part, so badly that we as Christians now are in the business of redeeming the church. It is our calling here now. What we are called now, what we have to do now is spend the bulk of our time redeeming the entire idea that coming together as a faith community is a valuable and worthwhile thing. For the first time in history, uh, in the history of America, the majority of people do not think that church is a good idea. Most people would rather not be involved with organized religion. Now people overwhelmingly have faith, people overwhelmingly believe in God, and people overwhelmingly feel a particular affinity to Christ, but they no longer see the church as the best way to develop that faith or explore that God they know. I believe the reason for this is because there are so many out there who do a great job of bearing witness to the Jesus that they believe in and the Jesus that they think we ought to believe in and we do a poor job of bearing witness to the Jesus that we know and love. And that Jesus that they're bearing witness to often doesn't lead to life or to love or to inclusion, but leads to exclusion, leads to hate, and leads to violence, in fact. There are those yahoos in Kansas who protest military funerals because they think God hates gay people. Everybody knows about them, but is that the Jesus we know? 
Then there's that poor Harold Camping who was so cynical about the world we live in, felt that the only way God could redeem the world around us is by bringing it all to an end last May or October or wherever it was. The world was so bad and people were so bad that God had to just wipe it all out and start over with those few good people of which Harold was among them. And that didn't happen. That is not the Jesus we know, is it? A church in Kentucky last week, did you hear about this? A church in Kentucky last week took a vote to ban interracial couples from their membership. We got to hear about them, but is that the Jesus we know? Politicians use Jesus to push their particular agenda, manipulating people's faith and encouraging their fears and their prejudices. Is that the Jesus we know? No. And then the Catholic Church, and they're not alone. It's a, a lot of these churches, but the Catholic Church is rift with scandal over and over again where people have been put into their safety, uh, their safety depending on the priests and depending on the leaders of the church, and they haven't been kept safe. And over and over again, their response is to try and cover it up. We always hear about them, but is that the Jesus we know? No. So many people of faith want to focus on why they're better than others, prompting the others to start calling names until all the world knows is that followers of Jesus don't get along with each other. Is that the Jesus we know? No. So often the church seems to be about conformity and homogeny, making sure that everyone thinks and acts and some of them even look alike. Is that the Jesus we know? No. No, the Jesus I know is so different from the Jesus that I often hear about. The Jesus I know taught me to love not just the lovable, but those who are hard to love. The Jesus I know showed me that compassion was what compassion was. I got to tell you, if not for Christ, I don't know that I'd care about any of you. The Jesus I know showed me that the kingdom of God includes all people, not just a select few. The Jesus I know showed me that he was less concerned about what happened after we died than he was about how he lived out the life we had right here and now. The Jesus I know sees the good in me, even when I don't, and shows me how to see the good in others. The Jesus I know taught me that we are more together than we are apart. The Jesus I know showed me that I was empowered to be a good person. The Jesus I know showed me that being different and thinking differently and having different perspectives is a good thing and it makes us stronger. The Jesus I know taught me to stand up for the outcast, stand up for the marginalized, and stand up for the left out, and to be a voice that says to them, you belong here, and you are worthy to be here. The Jesus I know taught me to speak truth to power, and to call people on their bold, pucky crap, BS. The Jesus I know invites me to tap into the Spirit of God and to know that I am not alone. The Jesus I know found me when I was lost and gave me sight when I was blind and gave me food when I was hungry and gave me drink when I was thirsty. Now I'm certain you too could make a list like mine 
that articulated the Jesus you know. And the truth is it would likely be a little bit different. And that's a good thing. You know, even John had, had, had in his mind a very different looking Jesus. He was confused when Jesus wanted him to baptize him. He said, sure, if, he was not even sure whether he should be doing that. Jesus, you should be baptizing me. Why are you asking me to baptize you? And then at one point, he wasn't sure he had the right person. He sent someone from jail to ask Jesus, are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? To which Jesus said, hey, don't the blind see? Don't the lame walk? Don't the deaf hear? But you know what? In spite of not having it all exactly right, what John did have was a testimony to the light. We are called, like John, to testify to the light, to bear witness, to not be afraid to say, I am a person of faith. And the key to all of this is to be authentic. Now, I'm not asking you to take tracks door to door. In fact, I'm, I'm begging you not to do that. And I'm not asking you to write out a speech that you give whenever you get a chance so that you'll know exactly what to say. And I'm not asking you to invite people to your house under the pretense of giving them a five-point presentation as if Christianity were some kind of pyramid scheme. I'm just asking you to give credit where credit is due. To give Jesus the credit for the things that Jesus has done in your life. Of course, maybe the real challenge is to find where God is active in your life. Perhaps the biggest obstacle is actually having a faith that is on fire. Because when God is doing something in your life, you know this is true, when God is transforming you, when the Spirit is moving, how can you not talk about it? I had this woman I worked with when I was in the Air Force. Half of our shop became Lutheran because she was so excited about what was going on at the Lutheran church, she talked about it all the time. Nobody was offended. They were excited by her passion. And eventually half the shop started going to the Lutheran church. Most evangelical Lutheran I've ever met. i got to tell you, for the last year or so, I have enjoyed getting to know Valerie or Wynn and her family. And... Uh, when I first met her, she introduced herself to me as an agnostic when we first came here. But i got to tell you, over the last year, she has become one of the most evangelical agnostics I've ever met in my life. I went to the salon the other day where she and her family goes to get my hair cut, and Amanda said to me, Hey, Valerie keeps telling me I should come to your church. And I said, Oh, did Val invite you to church? And I swear to you, Every person in the whole salon said, together in unison, she invited all of us to your church. <laughs> Even the customers. <laughs> when we go places, Valerie and I, there is not a waitress or a checkout person or a person standing in line that doesn't know that I am the pastor of that not so jeezily First Baptist Church. And i got to tell you, it's not because Valerie is trying to push an agenda. It is because God is at work in her life and it is making a huge difference. How could she not talk about it? 
How could any of us not talk about it when God is transforming who we are? When God is coming to our side? When God is helping us get through? When God is pointing us in a new direction? Nobody ever gets offended or put out by that because it comes from the heart and it comes from a place that is real. People don't get offended when you tell them what is happening in your life and that God is a part of that. People don't get offended when they share a struggle with you and you tell them that they are in your prayers. Hey, I'm sorry you're going through that. I will be praying for you. What's offensive about that? I wish I had a magic formula for you. I really do. I don't. But I might suggest that we all think through and maybe even list out the things that God through Christ has brought to your life. The difference it has made. And the things that God is doing right now. Out of that, perhaps you will begin to see the ways in which you can, like John, testify to the light. Because i got to tell you, we must, we must, we must accept this calling. If for no other reason than that there are so many others out there that are testifying to anything but the light. The people who are really doing well at this are not pointing to wholeness, are not pointing to happiness, are not pointing to joy in the Lord. The people who are out there getting all of the attention are not pointing to the inclusive Jesus that you and I know. So we must, because there is a hungry city out there longing for the Jesus you and I know. And waiting and hoping that it's there. And as we are faithful, giving credit where credit is due, God is faithful. And they, God will help them find a place and find their way. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we are so grateful for all the ways in which you have come to us. Help us, Lord, to be like John, that we might give credit where credit is due and we might testify and bear witness to all that you are and all that you do. Give us hearts of boldness as we go from this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.